0: Broadcasting live from the Raiders' practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, this is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Nah, we, we have to play better. You know, I mean, there's 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 three and zero, oh, and you can you can get all caught up in in statistics and. You know, uh, individual things like that. But you know, we look at the film. We got to play a lot better. We should play a lot better. We have to play a lot better. And uh, if we don't, we're going to have a hard time advancing and moving on.
1: That was John Gruden. You know that. Speaking today over at the practice facility in Henderson about how let's not get caught up in three and O right now. Um, yeah, you can be happy with. Winning all three of your games, that's what it's all about. That's what you want to do. But uh, by no means are the Raiders a finished product. By no means have the Raiders played a perfect football game. In fact, anything but, really, when you look at it, uh, averaging 91 yards per game on the ground, that's not going to get it done. Uh, It's 25th of the NFL, and they need to get that fixed. I think it's contributed to their slow starts I think it's contributed to uh, their inability sometimes to close games out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they've taken care of business in overtime, but uh, they need to, uh, to be able to run the ball consistently uh, to be able to play balanced football. Um, and I know our good friend Lincoln Kennedy uh, knows all about that because uh, he was one of those dudes in the NFL that made sure uh, that the running game was intact uh, or was a big part of it uh, during his years with the Raiders. One of the best offensive linemen uh, to do it. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Uh, Lincoln, you just heard John Gruden talking about how, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's a lot that we could do better, need to do better, have to do better. And if we don't, um, this isn't going to be sustainable right here. Uh, you just have to get better. I guess the good news, Lincoln, is they're 3-0 and in spite of some flaws. Um, and also, some of those
2: flaws, to me, are fixable, Lincoln. All the flaws are fixable. Hey, Vinny, how you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, all the flaws are fixable. The, the thing is, is that I don't know if there's really a such thing as a perfect game. Even if you go and blow somebody out, you're going to think of things that you can critique and make better. But, you know, as you mentioned, the we're, we're concluding the first month of professional football, and the Raiders are in a position where they're undefeated. Yep. Good news. Yes, Um, Derek Carr has tossed the ball around to several receivers, and they've all had you know great outputs and great grades and great contributions. Good news. Definitely. Um, The offensive line, despite the injuries and the IRs of the of the two you know well starting guards from the beginning of the season, um, have been you've covered it up. You've got guys who are playing solid in that position. Good news. Uh, and, and they're, 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 they seem to be gelling and coming along. And even though you don't have your number one running back, the people that have you put in place in this stay have produced. Good news. All yes. good news. Yep. Defense is playing a lot better. All good news. Um, but is it perfect? No. no. Um, can it be? It can be better. I don't know if it could ever get perfect, but there are always going to be flaws. Just keep in mind, like we've always said, those guys over there on the other side of the ball get paid too. So it's not like you're the, you're, you're the only one out there. You just have to find a way to separate yourself and close out football games rather than making them nail biters. We had two uh, games in Allegiant that, were, that, that came down to the wire and probably shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think you said something that was uh, extremely key, and you always do because uh, uh, you're just wired that way, uh, Lincoln. But you said that all the flaws are fixable, um, and and that's a departure from years past because let's just go back to last year. Uh, the Raiders couldn't, um, you know, come up with a consistent pass rush. I don't care who, what the scheme was. I don't care who the coach was. I don't care what they were trying to do, uh, or what magic they could have, you know, uh, magic dust they could have uh, thrown out there, as is, or as was, that defensive line just wasn't good enough to create this kind of pass rush that they have right now. So last year's flaws were needed, the only thing you could do with last year's flaws was to coach around them or try to, you know, hopefully it doesn't bite you on the butt too many times. You were going to have to take care of that at a later date off season. This year, I look at some of their flaws, the you know where the running game is right now, um, some of their tendencies to start a little bit slow, which I think is also kind of connected to that run game. I see answers readily available on this roster, um, so that's a huge difference compared to last year when you just have to roll up your sleeves sometimes and work around your issues and hope for better days way down the line next offseason. This is something I think the Raiders can can definitely deal with and get better at as the years go on. The answers are in that locker room,
2: and and they've they've shown some progress so far. Look, yeah. it was we're only a couple of games into it when we lost after losing Denzel. Good that you kind of had to make shift and shift things around. And I think Cable's done a great job, just as he did last year, when uh, when that other guy Trent Brown did only only want to play three plays, uh, you know, just making making shifting things around and making it happen, and, and basically covering up blemishes. Now there's a big test this week because the Chargers' defensive line is one of the more well-respected, uh, unanimously, especially with Bosa. So there's a big challenge this week, and they've got to continue to progress and create balance. They cannot be one-dimensional and think the Chargers are just going to let them sit back there without trying to come after Derek.
1: Yeah, by the way, Trent Brown, uh, yeah,
2: inactive uh, last week against surprise, uh, surprise, surprise. The Saints, of course, he's tweeting away. He could. Well, I'm I'm sure he is, and I'm sure there are probably a lot of Raider fans out there saying, you know, why you let him go? Why'd you get rid of him? That's why.
1: Well, (laughs) by the way, one of his tweets um, this was it was two days ago. I know how to swim, so I ain't scared to burn no bridges. All right, Trent. Okay, you know. Uh, I don't oh, know. He's... Poor
2: Trent. The world's against him. Oh, worries <laughs> me. I wish I could <laughs> sign up for a program like he had. Jeez. I know, right? Well, and, and here's the thing you know, a lot
1: of people are like, well, why did the Raiders give him, uh, you know, so much money? You explained it a million times over. Uh, they were trying to kind of create a bridge. That was really a two year contract, um, right. you know, because what the guarantees were out uh, the door after those first two years. So it, was, it really was just a two year contract, not a four year contract. Um, But, I mean, you know, the Raiders caught a a lot of heat, you know, because of how it turned out. He played only 16 games of the 32 that he was eligible to play. But, you know, Bill Belichick, the master thinker and genius, I mean, he's got no problems, you know, bringing him into the fold over there. So uh, the Raiders aren't the only one who sees... You know, this 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 offensive lineman that when he's on the field can play, he might not be the greatest of all time or even of his time right now, but when he's healthy and when he's out there, he is a, a, a good player. So it's just getting him on the field. But anyway, um, we wish Trent Brown uh, well, and hopefully he doesn't. No, we don't. Have... I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That was
2: wrong. That was wrong. I don't mean that. I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm a nicer guy than that. But okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm
1: just... uh, um, sometimes there's truth in the. Yeah. I know what you I know where you're <laughs> headed. I know where you're headed. Um, all right. So, so um, you know, we've, we've got the um, uh, the run game we're talking about. Josh Jacobs was back at practice today. Um, which is good news. We'll see if he plays. There were some, um, I think, some mixed messages uh, today. I think he's going to play, Lincoln. I just have a feeling he's going to play, but I don't think they're going to really. Go. Yes,
2: you think so? Mm-hmm. I, I, ha- I, 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 I don't think that they're going to. I'd be more on inclined him. to say that he doesn't play this week, and you bring him back the following week. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, and that that very well could be true, um, but uh, you know we uh, we we shall see. We're going to take a quick yeah. break, um, and uh, we've got oh, yeah, we've got um, a, a lot of people coming uh, onto the show today. Uh, Eric Grubman is coming up coming up uh, coming up at five o'clock. He is a former executive uh, with the NFL, and of course, he had a big hand. In uh, the stadium here in Los Angeles or in Las Vegas, the one in Los Angeles, uh, we've also got Jason McCormick from Station, Station Casinos. He's coming right up at 4:15. Uh, Daniel Popper from the Athletic comes on and come, comes with us at 4:30. He covers uh, the Chargers for the Athletic. So stay tuned. We've got a jam-packed show. Uh, can't wait to get to all these guests. And Eric Grumman, by the way, will take calls. And he is a wealth of knowledge and somebody that you want to talk to. And if you have any questions, I don't care where you are. Uh, You know, in in the United States, if you have some questions about things, and I know everyone knows what I'm talking about, feel free to hit them up starting at 5 o'clock. We'll talk to you on the other side.
0: Interact with the show. Text Benny and Lincoln on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Benny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're going to go right back out
1: to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend Jason McCormick over at Station Station Casinos. And uh, don't forget to ever download the app, STN Sports uh, app. And uh, Jason, first of all, uh, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing? For having me. All right, Jason, um, I'm going to get right to it. Why do you guys dislike the Raiders so much? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm I'm echoing my timeline uh, on Twitter uh, because trust me when I say, and I know you know this, uh, but the fans are kind of picking up on the fact that uh, Las Vegas and uh, the odds makers have a tendency so far this year through four games to doubt the Raiders, Um, and they're again... Uh, For the third time out of four games, if I recall correctly, underdogs against Los Angeles Chargers. What what is Las Vegas seeing when they look at the Raiders?
3: Well, I mean, they they backed them like crazy last week. So um, we were in a a situation where we had so much money on the Raiders last week. And when they were up uh, 11 points on the Dolphins last week, boy, we were starting to get the money ready because uh, Vegas was going to cash out big. There was so much money up bet on them. Uh, We were lucky to get kind of the backdoor cover in the game to land three to get the Dolphins, and it was one of the very few games um, we won for the week. Um, And and going back to kind of answer your question, though, is uh, again, they're, they're still... Um, despite the fact that they beat three teams that had, had 10 wins last year, um, it's just everything has kind of fallen in their favor um, with the way these games have played out and the overtimes and getting to play the Dolphins with the backup quarterback and um, the Chargers, on the other hand, and, and being a dog again this week. Uh, the Chargers pull off one of the uh, bigger upsets, uh, you know, in football last week in getting, heading to Kansas City and being able to win that game. So a lot of respect for the Chargers and what they did there. Um, and I think that this matchup just, I mean, from from a Monday night standpoint with these teams um, it doesn't get any better, and, and they're both very aware of each other, and they play tight games. I think the last four times these teams have played, it's been a, a one-score game, and the Raiders are coming out on the, on the better half of that. I think they've won three of the last four uh, with only the overtime loss uh, the last time they played them. So we're expecting a real tight one on Monday night.
1: Jason, how does Las Vegas account for, if it's even possible, uh, the team for which the pixie dust seems to be, um, you know, ha- have been doused upon? Uh, I look at, like, well, the San Francisco Giants. And and for some reason, there's something magical going on in San Francisco right now that you you can't account for necessarily. Can you guys account for that? Like, where you just mentioned that a lot of things are breaking right for the Raiders. It just seems like it is through these first three games. Um, but can that – you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you account for that? Like, the team that might just have luck on its side.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and again, they're making their own luck. They're doing the things that they have to do. Carr's doing the things you have to do. The defensive guys are playing well. You get the, you know, Jacobs is out and we watch Peyton Barber, uh, you know, play an absolutely fantastic game. So um, it, it's, uh, it's occurring on the field. These guys are, are doing special things on the field. And as long as they can continue to make that happen, um, you know, you're going to see some adjustments being made. And um, same in baseball. Yeah, the Giants. But it, it's, you know, the way that they're playing, um, their, their pitching staff, their batters, they're, they're just finding a way to win games. I mean, the Dodgers have been absolutely on fire in the second half since they've acquired Max Scherzer and, and pulled a miracle, you know, last night of the, the four. Home runs in the eighth inning, and they're just unable to gain ground. Gain ground on the Giants with them winning every game.
2: Lincoln, did you have a question? So, who are the, some of the dogs that you're looking for? Yeah, I was just going to say, Jason, who are some of the, the dogs that, uh, that that you think uh, you should look at this weekend uh, when the yeah. NFL matchups?
3: Well, I don't know if it's a dog you should look at, but I'll tell you, the sports books are going to be needing this dog uh, to, to save their week, and that's the New England Patriots. Um, with Tampa heading there and obviously the scenario of Brady returning home and he's 68 yards away from breaking Drew uh, Brees' passing yards record. Um, And and we know that he wants to put up a lot of points on this, Belichick and and the Patriots. So uh, we're going to need the Patriots uh, for for everything come Sunday night. That's going to be one of the major games um, on our schedule, Um, as well as kind of the the other two teams that have been uh, kind of really been been picked on, and that's uh, the Jaguars who play tonight and the Jets, uh, who will go up against the Titans. And it looks like the Titans may be a little bit shorthanded in their receiving core to give uh, the Jets a chance. But um, these teams that have really underperformed, the betters like to really pick on those underdogs.
1: We're talking to Jason McCormick uh, from Station Station Casinos, and you can download their app, STN Sports. Uh, and, and, and please do that because uh, it, it puts a little bit of fun, extra fun, uh, into your sports-watching uh, entertainment. Uh, Jason, when I look at the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what, what would scare me if I'm Las Vegas is this. Bruce Arians kind of reminds me a little bit of a Sean Payton. Like if he has a chance to you know back a player by running up a score, I don't think he's going to have any problems whatsoever with doing that. Like there's other coaches that might pull it off a little bit. But I think Arians understanding what this might mean for Tom Brady and even if it's to rub the Patriots face in it, uh, Bill Belichick included, not out of any personal feelings or anything like that. But just, you know what, he wants to show this guy, you know, that that he was the biggest part of the success that the, that the Patriots have. I have a feeling Bruce Arians is going to stick with him and just do whatever he can to help him get that kind of redemption you want to say or payback, whatever it is. I think Bruce Arians is the perfect coach for that, and maybe not for Las Vegas, though.
3: Yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, Brady's going to be calling a lot of the plays here, and it's it's really not only a, a Brady return to New England; it's also a Gronk return yeah. to New England, um, and Antonio Brown, who was you know spent a very short period of time there. But there's uh, definitely some chips on the shoulders of some of those Tampa players uh, to be able to go there and play a really big game.
2: Well, I'm curious about this whole baseball thing as we get down to the end of the season. You were talking about the Giants and the Dodgers. What is it looking like, you know, as far as uh, the, the, the the hitting is going for on the uh, the American League side, Tampa Bay sealing up and the, and the Yankees and the Red Sox still in it?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, this, uh, this playoff and pennant race has been absolutely fantastic as we sit here and watch the Yankees and Blue Jays and Boston and now Seattle's kind of found their way into the into the race as well. So we'll see how it shakes out in the end here. Um I I think you gotta see, you know, from a pitching match standpoint, how things shake up. Tampa's been dominant all year long, but they don't have really that we'll call it a number one starter or a number two starter. They've kind of piecemealed a bunch of openers and closers and so we'll see if that different makeup of of a baseball team can work out for them. And then obviously in the national league, um, you know, one of these uh West Coast teams is gonna be in that uh wild card game against the Cardinals. Um, and if they can find their way through that, I think we're in for a, an epic, uh, you know, division series. Uh, uh, hopefully the Dodgers and Giants, that'll be just absolutely incredible.
1: You just mentioned that the Giants or the Dodgers will be involved in a, uh, a one-game playoff against the St. Louis Cardinals. It's looking more like the Dodgers right now. Uh, just doing the math, um, two games down, four games left, that's a lot to overcome uh, between now and then. Um, so let's just say it's the Dodgers. Or At, at what point do you guys start looking at that possibility as you try to kind of formulate uh, what, what a line on that game might look like.
3: Um, we've already been looking at it. I mean, we've we got to watch the, the pitching matchups and see where things go. One of the things that's concerning us on the Giants is, is their back end with Jake McGee um, and where he's going to be um, from, a, from a playoff standpoint if they're going to get their closer back. Um, but, yeah, we start to map things out. Obviously, um, they announced today that Wainwright's going to be the starter for the Cardinals, um, and we haven't gotten that starter yet for the Dodgers. Um, it, it does line up well with the fact that Scherzer pitched yesterday that uh, it looks like Scherzer would be the guy. Um, that would go up against Wainwright in that um, in that wild card game, which, again, then it puts the Dodgers kind of a little bit behind the eight ball in the fact that they've now, uh, you know, they won't have Scherzer for probably those first three games against the Giants.
2: Jason, you sound like you've been involved in, in the book you know, in sports betting for quite some time. Uh, let me ask you something. How is the climate and how's the, the, the sort of the world of sports betting changed since everything's gone mobile and it's been picked up by more states?
3: yeah i mean it's uh, it 's an uh, ever changing i'll tell you the one thing that 's the big difference is um you know I, like you said i've been in for a long time and you've really watched the uh, the information age make the sportsbook uh player and better so much smarter and so and so much more informed uh, before on player injuries and weather and everything going on at the stadiums and with these guys um, the sportsbook guys would have all the information first and in Today's age of social media and Twitter, um, the players are able to get the information a lot of times faster than we are because they can dig into these teams a little bit deeper than we can. And so, um, you know, as things have gone away from retail and you're able to get a bet down as quick as you can on your phone and have all this information at the touch of your fingertips, um, it's growing in advantage for the player.
1: Which, by the way, um, you guys have it all covered uh, with your app. If you can explain to uh, our listeners uh, where they can go get it, how it works, um, and all that great stuff, I'd appreciate it.
3: Yeah, sure. And, you know, as as Lincoln said, the the age of moving towards the mobile application and being able to play your sports from your your mobile device, all you have to do is show up at any station, casino, um, Wildfire brand, or the El Cortez. It takes less than five minutes. We can get you signed up. Um, you're going to be able to uh, download the app and bet sports from uh, anywhere here in the state of Nevada. You've got the incredible ability to bet all the sports, all the props, the parlay cards, um, anything you can think of is is going to be available on the app. And you don't even have to come back in um, to any of the books to fund your app. You've got several funding options um, where you can uh, download funds in from a a credit card or your bank account to be able to uh, make your bets and pull your money back out um, at the easier fingertips.
1: Last question for me, Jason. Um, I know everyone, we all like to think about uh, March Madness as just, you know, just such a great time of year for sports and especially for people that like to have a, put a little action uh, on games. But as I look at the schedule now with the NBA starting, uh, the, the baseball playoffs getting, you know, just right around the corner within a week or so. Uh, you know, the middle of the football season will be headed toward there, um, and then the NHL is starting as well. Where does this time of year, this next month or so, rank in terms of sports betting?
3: Yeah, you you, you nailed it on the head. It is this is the best time of the year for us um, when kind of everything crosses over. If we could somehow find a way to get the college basketball to start a little bit earlier, um, it, it would be you know, just an absolutely perfect. But I guess we got to let the college football play out. But it doesn't get any better. And, and you know, we look to the, the calendar as we hit October where we've got fri- five Fridays, five Saturdays, five Sundays. It's, uh, this, this month of October is going to be absolutely awesome. And with the fact that the way the Raiders are playing and the high expectations on the Knights – um, you know, from a Vegas standpoint and, and the local customers, um, the the sports action couldn't get any better. And, you know, the aces uh, are, are into their playoff run here as well. So these Vegas teams are absolutely on fire and um, it's, it leads to a lot more action in the sports book.
1: That's awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just, it's just really fun also to be talking about teams that are actually in Las Vegas that are a part of this magic right now. So uh, Uh, I know I enjoy it, and I know everyone else does. Jason, uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. We'll talk to you next week. Truly appreciate it, brother. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's Jason McCormick from Station Casinos. You can download their app, uh, STN Sports. Uh, He explained how you can go, go, go do it. Um, uh, Al Cortez is one of the places where you can uh, take care of it, and it takes about five minutes or so, and you're on your way, and you can enhance your enjoyment of watching sports, and really, that's what it's all about. You're in the huddle with Vinny are and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila, Embajador, Raider Nation, Radio 9, 20 a.m. on a Thursday. Coming up, Daniel Popper from The Athletic will talk about the team he covers, which just so happens to be the team the Raiders are playing on Monday night, the Los Angeles Chargers.
0: Interact with the show. Text Benny and Lincoln on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Or tweet them at Benny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM.
1: No rest for the weary. We're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of mine, my former teammate over at The Athletic. He's still at The The Athletic. I'm with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I cover the Raiders. Daniel covers the Chargers, uh, and of course I'm talking about Daniel Popper uh, with The Athletic. And uh, we will be seeing each other at SoFi Stadium on Monday. Daniel, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my man?
4: Doing great. Thanks for having me, Vinny.
1: You got it. Uh, well, um, it's always a big deal when the Raiders play the Chargers, no question about it. Two old AFC West foes. But I'm not quite sure anybody predicted um, the, the meaning behind this game in terms of the stage. The Raiders are 3-0. and The Chargers are 2-1. and uh, Could very well be 3-0 and themselves. Uh, yet here we are, and for an early season division um, uh, matchup, this is as big as it gets. Uh, how are the Chargers handling uh, this matchup uh, down there in Los Angeles?
4: Yeah, they certainly have a lot of respect uh, for the Raiders and what they've accomplished already this season. Just talking to Brandon Staley today, he said, you know, they have a complete football team. Um, obviously, these defensive players have a lot of respect for Gus Bradley, who's running the show there in defense and has the Raiders' defense playing at a high level. And, and like you alluded to, like this is the biggest Raiders Chargers game in recent history um and it's going to be a massive matchup on national television so there's a ton of respect there and i know these players and coaches are very much looking forward to the matchup
1: do you think we're seeing um a little bit of a changing of the guard here you know i I, i've been watching the chiefs i don't like what i see necessarily i think they're a flawed team a little bit more flawed than maybe we had uh imagined coming into the season could we be seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard here
4: absolutely um this is a really competitive division, top to bottom, I and mean, we haven't even touched on the three and O Broncos yet. Um, it's hard to say that the Chiefs aren't the front runners still, even though they're one and two, just because they have the best quarterback in football, and obviously, you know, he can do so much to alleviate some of the concerns elsewhere on their roster. But all four of these games are playing at a high level, and you know, Justin Herbert is only going to get better from here, which is pretty crazy to think about because he's playing at such a high level, but he's only going to get more comfortable in this offense as they play more together. Um, and he's still learning so much about the game. So I, I think you're seeing four really good teams, um, and, and you know the Mahomes-Herbert battles are going to be a pleasure to watch for decades to come, I can, I can tell you that.
2: No doubt about that. Hey, Daniel, what, I know it's a small sample size in three games, what, but what, what, to this point, what have you seen different between this Charger team and, say, last year's Charger team?
4: Yeah, there's a lot of differences, obviously, with the new coaching staff. Um, defensively, their scheme is pretty much the polar opposite of what Gus Bradley ran here. Um, it's a lot of two high-safety looks as opposed to single high-safety, uh, a lot more aggressive, a lot more multiple, a lot more versatile than they've been in the past. Um, and then offensively, Joe Lombardi has brought an entirely new scheme in here uh, to Los Angeles. Um, and you know the one thing that really jumps out offensively is just how much they're using Mike Williams. He's just more of a focal point of the offense uh, you know, second in the league in touchdowns, he's close to 300 yards receiving, 22 catches. I mean, his previous career high in catches was 49. So he's really a focal point of the offense. But in terms of schematically, what you're going to see offensively, they, they want to push the ball down the field. Um, and then you're going to see a lot of formations. You know, the Saints have specialized in that. You know, that, you know, Sean Payton calls it blitzing the defense. It's just a lot of substitutions, a lot of different formational packages. Um, and, and you see that from Snap to SAP. So it'd be easier, honestly, to talk about the diff, the, the, the you know, to talk about um, you know what's similar as opposed to to what's different. Um, just because there's so many differences
1: uh, with wa- the team. I want to take you right back to Mike Williams because uh, what a great time to have a breakthrough season so far. Then your contract year uh, has he changed? Uh, maybe the way the Chargers perceive him in terms of being in the uh, long-term plans and how much money is he making himself right now if he continues on this path?
4: Right. If he stays healthy, he's making himself a boatload of money, whether that's in Los Angeles or elsewhere, um, you know, remains to be seen. Um, But really, they drafted him seventh overall. You know, like, you don't take a player that high, you know, if you don't think he's going to be a great player with the potential to be a superstar. It hasn't come to fruition yet. Uh, for Mike Williams prior to this season, just largely because of injuries. Um, But they're adding stuff to his arsenal. I think previously he was really more of just a 50-50 ball guy down the field, and he did that as good as anyone in the league. Uh, But they're just adding more to his route tree, and you're seeing a lot more slants from him. And that's really where a lot of his production is coming um, early on in this season. Um, And then on top of that, they're just looking for matchups with him, one-on-one matchups. Um, and, you know, they're incorporating him into the RPO game. Um, so they have these things called advantage looks that they've incorporated into the offense where Herbert will go to the line with a run call. But if he sees Mike Williams in one-on-one coverage, they'll go out to him. Um, he's caught two of his touchdowns on plays like that. But, you know, it could be a fade route, could be a slant, could be a, what they call a smoke route, which is basically just a bubble route. So they're really incorporating him in all parts of the offense. And if he stays at this trajectory and stays on this pace, he's going to make himself quite a bit of money in free agency. I don't know if the Chargers are going to be willing to pay him that kind of money just because they just gave Keenan Allen a $100 million contract. And and I don't know if you can invest that much into the receiver group. They drafted a receiver in the third round in Josh Palmer. But it's quite a good time to be having a season like this. You You can bet that.
2: Hey, Daniel, last one for me, man. I was talking about Justin Herbert, I knew that he was a special deal coming out of Oregon. I mean, smart kid, got a, a science degree, 4.0, the, the Matthew Sch- Maxwell Scholarship uh, athlete. Um, but just, are you surprised about his development, the way he's
4: progressing since he took over the starting position last year? You have to be surprised. You have to be surprised. For, for, for him to go into that situation last year where he got no reps, In training camp with the first team, Um, they were going with Tyrod Taylor. And then all of a sudden, week two, a mishap with the pregame injection forces Herbert into the game against the Chiefs. Starting the game, he finds out you know two minutes before kickoff that he's starting. And to play at the level he did as a rookie was truly remarkable. Um, After seeing what he did last year, I sort of understood that he was going to be a top 10 quarterback in this league for a long time. I, I didn't really buy into any of the regression talk. So I'm less surprised about what he's doing so far this year. But last year, you really have to tip, the, tip your cap to him. Obviously, the coaching staff had something to do with that, but his ability to read defenses, I think, was, was further ahead than people thought. Um, and then, you know, the arm strength and the physical talents, his ability to get outside the pocket and throw off-platform, that stuff just jumps out to you. So, I mean, he is cementing himself as an elite, elite quarterback in this league. There's no question about that.
1: And I'm not necessarily surprised, uh, Daniel, by, by the way, we're talking to Daniel Popper. He covers the uh, Chargers for the Athletic, and you can uh, follow him at Daniel R. Popper on, on Twitter. I'm not necessarily surprised either. However, there was one thing that I was wondering about, uh, and this goes for all the young quarterbacks in the NFL, just the fact that fans were going to be reintroduced. Uh, to the equation. It's 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 not the easiest thing to go into New Orleans and Seattle and Minneapolis and places that are, you know, really rabid and including Kansas City. Uh, but he, he, he basically handled that as well. I mean, he goes into Kansas City and, you know, duels uh, Patrick Mahomes. The Chargers come out of there with a win. It doesn't even seem like that has phased him whatsoever. And I'm sure it was a crazy scene in Kansas City, as it always is.
4: Yeah, and and I've asked a little bit about that just because it was something that was on my mind. And and the one thing people keep bringing up is, listen, this kid played at Oregon. He played in huge games at that school. He played in a a Rose Bowl, (laughs) rushed for three touchdowns in that game to lead Oregon to a victory. So it's not new for him to be playing in front of big crowds, and I think he's sort of leaning on that experience in college to help him through some of these games. But it's obviously something that's not going to phase him. It was packed at Arrowhead. It was really loud. The wind was howling at 20 miles per hour, and and nothing seemed to faze him, um, which I think is uh, obviously a great indication of just how much he's going to improve and keep playing at a high level moving forward.
1: Daniel, no shock um, uh, that uh, everyone is is predicting. I'm getting emails from ticket agencies and things like this uh, in regards to what the crowd might look like uh, on Monday night when the Raiders uh, play the Chargers at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And it will likely be, uh, if it's not a uh, decided – uh, lean toward the Raiders. It could actually be, you know, a, a dramatic uh, lean toward the Raiders. And it's just kind of how it, things are right now uh, for the Chargers in Los Angeles. And on top of that, the Raiders obviously have a major uh, stronghold in that region. Uh, but do you sense, do you feel that things are headed in the right direction for the Chargers uh, in that regard as far as creating their own niche in Los Angeles, A, uh, and B? You know what are the what are the players? I'm sure they're used to it by now. Obviously, they, they the ones that have been there for two three years understand uh, what the dynamics are. But but you know, do you get a sense on on what they really feel about uh, that being almost the road team in their own home?
4: Yeah. Well, so to answer the first question, absolutely. I think they're they're making gains in terms of building a fan base because it's just going to take time, though. Like, I don't think you can you can look at it. You know, these, these are the first games they're playing in front of fans in the new stadium. I don't think you can really gauge it right now. You got to wait 5 years, even 10 years before you can really, you know, make a, a, a legitimate proclamation about what it is. Um, but in terms of the players like the Cowboys game is a good example, right? Like there were more Cowboys fans in the stands than Chargers fans, but there were a dec- there was a lot of powder blue in there. I sort of had a, like a 55-45, 60-40 split. They were making noise on Cowboys possessions. They made noise when Justin Herbert came out there. And that's a big difference from what it was at Dignity Health Sports Park the soccer stadium they were playing in. Now, I know players hated playing there. It was, there was a, a lot of frustration in that locker room about having to go out and play in front of an entirely opposing fan crowd. Um, so this is a step up. But so even if these crowds lean heavily towards the opposition, the players are just happy that there's a decent amount of Chargers fans in the stands. And I know that, that that Cowboys game, they loved the environment. It felt like kind of like a college bowl game where you had fans from both sides. So, you know, regardless of how it shakes out at SoFi, it's going to be better than it was in the soccer stadium, and that's a step up for these players, absolutely. Where
1: would you say the fans are coming from? Uh, You know, I know that they're building and they're they're, they're trying to connect as much as possible uh, to a younger audience in Los Angeles, going out to high schools, going out to middle schools. Uh, Orange County um, is kind of open territory uh, when you're talking about between them and the Rams, and it's close to their former home in San Diego. But can you gauge where, you know, you said 40%, 45% Charger fans uh, at SoFi Stadium, where these fans are emerging from? Are people staying with them from San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles?
4: Yeah, no, I think they're gaining young fans in Los Angeles. I think that's part of it. I think they still have a lot of fans. Left in San Diego, and then they just have fans from all over. Like I know that there's a, a, a sizable group of season ticket holders in Tijuana, Mexico, that drive up to home games and hold tailgates. And you know, I hold these uh, YouTube live streams, um, and I get fans from uh, Europe, uh, from Brazil, from all over. Um, the one thing I'll say is the product is immensely exciting. Like they are a really fun team to watch. It starts with number ten, obviously, but. They've got stars on, at, every, at every position. Defensively, they're a ton of fun to watch. They play an exciting brand of football. So, you know, when you have young fans in Los Angeles that are deciding who they want to root for, the, the Chargers have a lot of things going for them. The product is great. You get to put on a powder blue uniform. Like, There's a lot of reasons why young people um, would lean into rooting for the Chargers. But I think that is a very diverse fan base, and you can really find Chargers fans all over the globe.
1: Speaking of which, why don't they just stay with the Powder Blues? I, I know following you on Twitter, uh, I think you have the same. Wait, do you like the Navy Blue or, or are you against the Navy Blue? It's the worst uniform they have, no question. Okay, thank you. Why do they even, I, I mean, they have the best uniform and one of the worst. Like, it's it's uncanny that, that it's even possible that that's possible.
4: Right, like why just have one uniform? Like, just play, just play in Powder Blues every week. Why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. I don't
1: know. I, I guess somebody's buying the other jersey, I guess. I don't know. Um, if you're listening to us, stop it. Just buy the Powder Blues. It's a perfect uniform. Stay. I know uh, I'm on a Raider radio station here, and the silver and black is great, too. Uh, definitely a classic uniform. I'm hoping—do we know what the Chargers are wearing on Monday night?
4: Oh, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, but I can go check on the, in their uh, uniform release. I believe they're. They might, I believe they'll be wearing white, but I'm not 100 percent positive.
1: Wow! So the Raiders would be in uh, black, huh? Interesting. Yeah, we'll
4: see. I, I got to double check on that. So don't hold me to that. But let us know. I, honestly, I, I, I like the. I like the white. Uniform. I think their white on white uniforms are their best uniforms, actually, just because they look so clean.
1: Um, right there with you. If, if if it's that, I mean, it would play into the Raiders being at home. But you know, uh, it is. Uh, it's it's an interesting topic one that i follow daniel thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle i really appreciate it uh, i'll see thanks, you daniel. out in los angeles and uh take care of yourself brother
4: anytime benny thanks for
1: having me you got it that's daniel popper from the athletic he covers the chargers uh for the athletic uh you're in the huddle with Vinny monster and lincoln kennedy brought to you by tequila and raider nation radio 9 20 a.m on a thursday
0: no one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. I hope so. You know, I welcome Raider Nation to uh, the field down there. I, I really, I have no idea. You know, some of those Dolphin fans snuck into our stadium last week. Perhaps, perhaps Raider Nation can make can make a stand down in uh, in LA. We, we look forward to seeing the fans, obviously, and it'll be a, be a great game as it always is. Great rivalry.
1: That was Raiders head coach John Gruden talking about really the inevitable um, in terms of what the crowd's going to look like in Los Angeles. It's going to be a decidedly heavy lean uh, toward the Raiders, and, and that's just how it always is. I've covered games uh, in San Diego when the Raiders came down to play the uh, Chargers, and it was always a decidedly Raiders home crowd. Um, and, and it's just kind of the way it is, um, but it's definitely Lincoln going to give the Raiders a big advantage, and and, and f- for this reason, number one, um, they're not going to really have to change uh, much up offensively. Their offensive operation is going to be pretty smooth as a result of um, you know the, the the lack of crowd noise that they're going to be experiencing. Normally, you go on the road. You just have to account for it's going to be bedlam for the other team, and you have to figure it out and get it communicated in a different way with silent count and all that business. Uh, I don't think that's going to have to happen for the Raiders today. Conversely, Lincoln on the other side, the Chargers might have to, and in their in their own yard, they may have to go to silent counts um, from time to time, if not the entire night, if it's really a heavy lean for the Raiders, which I actually think is going to happen
2: well what's funny is i remember the, the 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 game that the raiders had in san diego after the announcement was that the chargers were moving to los angeles i remember looking at that game in that in that stadium and i i could i, I swear it had to be an eight to one raider over charger jersey in that in that stadium it was like it was truly like another home game but and then, of course, this early season and preseason, I remember the um, the stadium announcer was looking at the, towards the end of the game. He was like saying, whose house? And they had so many Raider fans there. They were like, Raider's house. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It can be an advantage. But uh, I, if anything, you know, that, that might heighten the team. That might heighten the Chargers to really. I mean, of course, this is a, a rivalry. And, you don't need much more energy to get hyped up for this. But, you know, um, it, it might be something that, that would be interesting to see on TV because far is so big. If you see more black and, and silver and black jerseys in there than you do powder blue, that would be something.
1: Yeah, and this isn't like uh, the, when the Cowboys came to town in Los Angeles to play the Chargers earlier in the season. Uh, it's not that their colors are exactly the same, but they are both blue. So... It, it's easy sometimes to maybe, you know, misidentify, you know, what you think is a Charger fan when it was actually a, a Cowboys fan. When the silver and black roll in, and those are distinctively different colors than what the Chargers have, it can get overwhelming, and it might actually uh, be that uh, case. And here's the other thing, uh, Lincoln, you know, no disrespect to the Raider teams that – uh, came before this particular version of the Raiders, and uh, likewise for the Chargers. Uh, but this isn't a this is just the Chargers against the Raiders. This is actually a huge football game, uh, and it could very well be something that turns out to be really important down the road uh, for where these two teams want to go. These are two really good football teams. We haven't been able to say that. Um, simultaneously for many, many years. It's been a long time since both of these teams came into a game like this with the kind of records that they have. I know it's early, but to me these are two good football teams, and that hasn't been the case for a long time.
2: Well, Daniel said it in the last interview. This is a very competitive division, and he's absolutely right. It is, but it's it always has been. And, you know, look, I, I know it's important because it is a divisional rivalry, and it's an AFC matchup, and so far all the teams that the Raiders have beaten are AFC, AFC matchups, which helps win a tiebreaker scenario. But there are times where you come into a season where you think if you're able to just split the division, obviously you want to win every game, don't get me wrong. Right, right. But if you're able to split the division, where is that going to Put you as far as you know the, the the proximity of being a wild card or securing a division. That way you can you know get get that first uh, game at home.
1: Right, exactly, and it's always competitive. There's no doubt about it. No matter what the records are, you can always say that you know when the Chargers Raiders play, um, it's going to always be a competitive game because that's just how those two teams roll. However. It's not just about you know this competitive in the AFC between the Chargers and the, and the Raiders. This is in the whole I'm talking about in the whole scheme of things. These are two of the best teams to me in the AFC at least right now, and I don't really expect that to deviate much. I truly believe these are two of the better teams in the AFC.
2: You're right. You're right. Right now, they, that's exactly they're playing some good football. Both of them are.
1: You sound a little skeptical still,
2: Lincoln. Why? wouldn't
1: <laughs> You sound it's, a little skeptical. It's only been three
2: games, Vinny. It's only been three games. I, I you, you can't crown them. They, they, they I'm, got not a cro- I'm not. Schedule. I'm not.
1: Just... I'm not crowning anybody. I'm just saying that <laughs> I, I, I watching other teams, watching these two teams, watching the Raiders as closely as I have. There really isn't anybody in the AFC. Let's let's have that conversation. Who in the AFC scares you? So, you know that, that you're. Well, so well we could we talk
2: about it on the other side because we got to go to break. Right? We got Gruber coming up and Gruen coming. Up All right, in
1: but uh, you know, bring your argument because I don't see anybody. I in got the it. AFC. <laughs> I don't see anybody in the AFC that just and I've never it's been a long time since I've been able to say that about the Raiders where I'm saying, "No, nah, they could beat them too." Uh so we'll see. It is a long a, a long um season, but I'm projecting that these are two of the better teams in the NFL. I think I know what we've I think we've it's 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 I know it's only 3 games, but <laughs> eyeball test, Lincoln, these uh, barring injuries, these two teams yeah. should they're pretty good okay. teams. You're in the huddle with <laughs> Lincoln. You've been jaded for all these years watching watching the Raiders. Let it go, Lincoln. Let oh, it go. I can't. can't. Roll it. I, I know. I know exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I'm a New York Met fan, and no matter how promising it starts, I'm always uh, I don't know. They always break my heart. But uh, I have a feeling this team is is not going to do that to you, Lincoln. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonster and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila or Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. on a Thursday. When we come back. My good friend and somebody who is very, very influential in the stadium here being built uh, in Las Vegas, uh, the stadium that the Raiders are going to play at uh, on Monday uh, in Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium, Eric Grubman uh, was formerly with the NFL, a vice president. Uh, he had uh, was, was overseeing a lot of that, and uh, he's going to be here for about a half hour taking your calls wherever you are. If you have any questions for Eric Grubman, and I know a lot of people do, Uh, please give him a call. I'm going to tweet it out in just a second, the phone number again. Uh, Stay with us. He's on the other side, Eric Grubin.